Scripture this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. Jesus and his disciples came to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said to them, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. He began to feel despair and was anxious. He said to them, I'm very sad. It's as if I'm dying. Stay here and keep alert. Then he went a short distance farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that, if possible, he might be spared the time of suffering. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you stay alert for one hour? Stay alert and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. The spirit is eager, but the flesh is weak. Again, he left them and prayed, repeating the same words. And again, when he came back, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know how to respond to him. He came a third time and said to them, Will you sleep and rest all night? That's enough. The time has come for the human one to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. Look, here comes my betrayer. The word of God for the people of God. Sarah. So as I mentioned at the beginning, this is the third week of our series, A Cracked Foundation. If you remember, the premise of our series is that Jesus told Peter that upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. And in the vision of, of Peter and what we see in the Gospels, we see a very human person who has all of his faults and foibles, which kind of means that the church was founded on a cracked foundation, right? If you put it metaphorically that way. But despite Peter's faults, despite our faults, God still works out God's purposes in and through every single one of us, just as he did Peter. And the church and the people continue on the mission and the purpose of God. So we're looking at Peter's life to see how that unfolds in his life and how it can impact our lives as well. So we began with Peter, who demonstrates a a faith, but he doesn't really realize he has that kind of faith yet. It takes Jesus pointing that out to him and that to be reminded that sometimes we don't see in ourselves what God sees. And God's trying to draw that out of us so that we see the ways in which God can use us for God's purposes. Last week we looked at Peter who climbed out of the boat in the middle of a tempest at sea and wondered what in the world was he thinking? Getting out of the boat on raging waters, right? But it reminds us in this story that great faith is focused on the presence of Jesus in our lives. And also that it's about being in community one with another to experience that active presence of Christ. For us to have that kind of faith as a community, as God's people. So this week we're going to consider what it means for Peter and the other disciples to be asleep in the garden. I'm one of the fortunate people, one of the fortunate souls, that I knew both of my paternal great-grandparents. We had some longevity in our family. And so I have spoken often about my great-grandmother, Amy, and and the profound impact, her Christian witness, and and how she shared that with all of her great-grandchildren, how she sowed seeds in us of discipline, of prayer, and reading scripture, and she took us to church with us, and and the impact that she had on all of us kids. Uh, Today, though, I want to share with you a little bit about my great-grandfather, Dewey Pyle. 
My great-grandfather was a hard-working man. He got up at 4.30 in the morning seven days a week, and he literally worked seven days a week. In the Butler area, he was known as the guy to go to if you needed something taken from point A to point B. He was a, a contract hauler for people. So he would haul livestock for various people to different places. He would go get building materials for projects that were going on. Whatever he could fit in his big truck, he'd go get it for people and he'd deliver it where they wanted it to be. So often during the summers, he would find himself in Kansas City. He'd either be down at Carter Waters picking up some steel for somebody, some rebar, or he'd be down at the, at the livestock area in Kansas City in the West Bottoms when we used to have a livestock area down in the West Bottoms of Kansas City. And, and if he was passing through on the late afternoon and headed back to Butler, he'd periodically stop over in Raytown and he'd call my parents up and he'd say, so one of the grandkids ready to go down to the farm, to which five hands would go up because every single one of us were ready to go and have some fun at the farm. He'd pick one of us kids up, and one of the things that I noticed about this hard-working man is, is that routinely he would find himself taking a nap. If he was driving down the road and he felt tired, he would pull over at the side of the road and he'd take a short 15-minute nap. And if he had one of us grandkids with him, he'd encourage us to try our best to close our eyes for 15 minutes. I don't know how the man got any rest with us young grandkids in the cab of his truck with him, restless as we were, but he'd take a short 15-minute nap. When he got home at my great-grandparents' house, he'd sit down in his favorite chair, he would turn on the news, and before you know it, he was snoring. He was resting again, right? And as kids, full of energy, we didn't quite understand why it was that he needed to take a nap. Now that I have reached the age of siestas, I kind of understand this need to periodically take a nap, right? Some of you know what I mean. Say amen to that. Right? You know what it means to have a need to take a short little cat nap, a power nap, or read the inside of your eyelids, whatever it is that you want to call it. Right? But we take a short rest in the middle of the day. And I see you, Dennis Young, yawning. <laughs> it's hard to believe that I'm talking about napping in the middle of a sermon on Sunday morning. What a fool I am. You are not encouraged to close your eyes unless you are deep in prayer and meditation and listening. Right? Okay? Now, think about it for a moment, though. While naps are good for us physically, they refresh us in reality, nothing really externally productive happens when you're taking a nap, right? There's nothing going on external to you that is productive when you rest. Now, the flip side of this, of course, is there's some of us who are not quite at the age of siesta yet. We don't need a nap. We, we are awake and we are productive all day long. We have our routine, our schedule of getting up in the morning, we get about our tasks during the day. We excel at them. We have our interest in the evening. We have things that keep us sharp, body, mind, and spirit. We can go from dawn till dusk and on, right? Our oldest gets up. I've told you this before. She gets up at 5.30 in the morning to go to the gym and exercise. I think she's crazy because I don't get up at 5.30 in the morning, but she does. That's her routine, right? Others of us might be doing something dietary-wise to manage our weight. I've got friends who are on the Whole30 program. They've lost weight on that. They're exercising. They feel better about their own bodies. 
I know people who are training for half marathons, full marathons, many triathlons, right? I know people who are voracious readers. They are constantly exercising their minds and filling them. I know people who are artisans that work with their hands and are creative, productive things that we do when we are awake. But I wonder how many of us have areas of our lives where we're not awake, where we might be metaphorically napping about some things. We might be napping when it comes to financial planning for our retirement. I'll get around to that at another time in life, not right now. We might be napping when it comes to maintaining some healthy relationships that we need to do. We might be napping when it comes to our own physical or mental health. We might be napping when it comes to our time, our talent, our treasure, and how God is trying to draw those things out of us for the better of our community. We might be napping when it comes to our spiritual life. I wonder, where are you taking a nap today, metaphorically? And is it, in particular, your spiritual life? I think as readers of the Gospel, it's pretty easy for us to become judgmental of some of these characters, to look at their humanity and and to wonder, how in the world could you fall prey to those kinds of things? Especially someone like Peter, who seems to be impetuous and ill-tempered. And and you see his humanity on display at just about every page that you turn. But, But think with me for a moment about all that Peter has experienced during his three years of journey with the Messiah, right? Jesus has come by the seashore and called him to come and follow him. And that meant that Peter left his business in someone else's hands. He left his family as well for the most part for three years. You think about the stress and the strain of trying to manage those kinds of relationships from afar and the willingness of Peter to enter into that tug and that pull in his life. For Peter to be a person who sees countless miracles performed by Jesus, the healing of thousands of people, exorcisms, feedings of the multitudes, Jesus' command over nature, Jesus' very command over death itself. But to also be a witness of Jesus in his public teaching and also his private teaching. To see the tension that Jesus enters into between the powerful religious temple authorities and the scribes and the elders of the community and the Roman state and how that is precarious for Jesus and his followers. Peter listened with a heavy heart as Jesus predicted his own death multiple times. And now Peter has come to a moment where he celebrated the Passover with Jesus and Jesus has washed his feet and now invited them to come watch and pray. I can only imagine the busyness of that three years, the emotional roller coaster that Peter and the other disciples found themselves on, the stress and the strain that it put on them mentally and physically. And now they find themselves in the garden full of all they have seen and witnessed, full of food and wine and the Messiah, and they fall asleep. Which probably for many of us would be natural, right? But Jesus has invited them to something different. He has invited them to the garden to be awake, to watch and to pray. To take this last opportunity to watch the witness of the Messiah, the example of the Messiah, the one who comes to engage God for the purpose of submission to God's divine will, 
to be ones who understand what it means to offer their lives as a living sacrifice. But Peter, James, John, the other eight disciples, they're napping. They're sleeping. They aren't watching. They aren't paying attention. They aren't learning in this moment. Multiple times Jesus comes and asks them a question. Can you not stay awake for one hour to watch and to pray? Multiple times they miss out. Which tells us that Peter and the others weren't always engaged as disciples in the ways that Jesus was inviting them to be. But that does not mean that Peter and the others only had one opportunity given to them. No, I would say to you that God continues to offer that opportunity to Peter and the disciples. And eventually they find out what it means for them to live more fully into this call. To be alive, awake, watching, and praying. Read the book of Acts and you see Peter engaged in God's purpose and mission for him as the one who begins to form and shape the community post the presence of Christ, right? I believe that God still works in this way. God still asks the the question today for the disciples of today, this question, will you be awake for an hour to watch and pray? Or as we have put it for today on Rally Day, do you have room for an hour? Because today is Rally Day. Today is a day for us to to consider if we literally have time for this spiritual journey and will we make time for this spiritual journey to get back into some routines if we have fallen out of that routine or to get into a new routine if that's what God is calling us to do. We know that summer is drawing to a close. We know our vacations are winding down, that we're back into that kind of nine-month school routine that many of us have begun again or just find ourselves in as natural habit. And the same is true here at the church. This is the season of the church where we begin to gather back together. Our small groups that have taken the summer off are now reforming, reshaping, and inviting new people to come and be a part of it. Here's what I want you to hear today. Rally Day isn't just about some of us. Rally Day is about every single one of us. The invitation for every single one of us to be awakened spiritually to be a part of some kind of form of spiritual formation and development. To literally ask ourselves, will I be willing to make room for one hour during the week for my spiritual formation in a group form? Not just personally, but in a group kind of form. Because if we were honest, dear friends, I think all of us know, yes, we lead busy lives, but we've got an hour. We've got an hour. It's whether we find it important enough to segment out that hour for that one particular activity. Because here's what I believe. I believe that people who are growing in their faith, people that are being formed and shaped by God, changed by God, are also people who will change the world for God's vision and purpose. That God wants all of us to grow. God wants us to be a part of the changing of this world. God wants us to be a part of his grand purposes. So for a couple of minutes, I'm going to point out to you some of our small group opportunities and the leaders of each of those. I'm actually going to ask the leaders to stand so that people can see who you are if they don't know you. But I want to share with you what's going on and some possibilities 
for the future, right? So first, Pathways, led by Cherry Lee. So I'm going to ask Cherry to stand. Pathways meets at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, each Sunday, up in room 205 in our education wing. They would welcome anyone who would like to be a part of their small group in their learning process. I believe right now you're studying Moses. No, that's Tuesday morning. What are you guys studying right now? Jewish influences on Jesus. Well, that sounds like a timely topic, right? You know, good one. Modern Christianity, Todd Gardner back here. Todd's our leader for our class, and we are looking at Renegade Jesus, which is a Michael Slaughter product. And so we meet 930s in the library. You're more than welcome to come and join us as well. Chancel Choir, led by Dale Morehouse. You are more than welcome to join with these fine group of singers up here if that's what you would like to do for spiritual formation. They meet at 9.30 down in the choir room for their rehearsals. We also have a bell choir, which Cherry leads as well. So tell us when you guys are meeting, Cherry, this season. Wednesday evenings, okay, for bell choir practice. Tuesday morning Bible study is Linda Potter, and she's got a group. They're the ones that are studying Moses. They are also in 205. They meet at 9.30 on Tuesdays. Foundations of Faith, Garth Lee is one of our leaders for it. We are meeting the second and the fourth Thursdays of the month at the god-awful hour of 7 a.m. in the morning, which is a killer for your pastor because he doesn't get up at 7 a.m. in the morning, but but he does on those, so come and join us. Are we moving to the first? I thought we were second and fourth. Okay, so they're right, I'm wrong, first and third. If you want to join me on the 2nd and the 4th, I'll think of something creative for 7 o'clock in the morning. Living Streams, Don Jarvis, Jenny Miller, Cherry Lee, Carol Jeter. I know Pat Tennell comes to that group as well. They meet in the library on Wednesdays at 5.30 for a time of prayer, anointing, communion. It's a wonderful spiritual opportunity. We have another prayer group that meets here on Tuesdays at 9.30 in the morning down at Brookside Hall. They are called the Mystic Misfits. It is an ecumenical group. It is not just St. John's folks, but it's folks from around this area that get together for a time of contemplative prayer. It's an intentional kind of spiritual formation that's open to anyone who might want to come to it. And the other thing that we've had recently transpire is, is we have a room up here that we call Heavenly Box Office. It's room 202. has a big old TV in it, some chairs in it. Underutilized space. Children's ministry has looked at that. They don't see any need for them to retain that space right now. So we're going to clean everything out, and we're going to put some tables and chairs in there, and we're going to repurpose it for a new adult study group of some sort, right? which could be a pastor's Bible study, maybe on Sunday mornings and, and during one night during the week or something like that. We want to be in conversation with you. I'll be the one that will probably be the one to, to sponsor that, so you might want to mention it to me. And it could be that maybe what we need to do is look at some in-home venues as well, some small groups that are in-home. Our Dinner for Eight is fellowship in its purpose. That's why we have formed it. It is about fellowship. It's not about study. But maybe what we need to do is think about companioning with Dinner for Eight and starting some other small groups that meet in home, maybe over dinner, but also do have a study and spiritual formation component to it as well. These, these are just some of the opportunities, friends. Ample opportunities for us to grow intentionally in our faith, to come to understand God's divine will and call for us, to be in service for others. The question is... Will we make room 
for an hour? Will we make room for an hour each week? Now, here's what I hope that you hear from this morning, just to be reminded that many, if not all of us, we have areas in our lives where we are well awake and we are paying attention. We might have some areas where we're not necessarily paying attention to Him, and it might be our spiritual journey. To be reminded that Jesus intentionally invited the disciples to stay awake, to watch and to pray, to give an hour so that they might understand God's divine will for them, to hear God's call to live in service to others. And if we find ourselves napping spiritually today, then we might be missing out on that opportunity ourselves, to have our faith shaped for those same purposes. So here's your invitation for today. Join us for lunch. Find somebody, if you heard one of these small groups that you're interested in, sit down with us and visit and share and ask questions about it and what it could mean for you. Find one of these group leaders and let us know. Or if you are interested in something new, find me and sit at my table and talk with me about something that might be new for us to investigate as well. For those of you who are already in a small group, hallelujah, celebrate that and think about Are you consistently giving an hour to it? Or are you kind of hit and miss? What's your level of spiritual formation as well? Because I believe in Jesus' call to watch and pray. Will we give an hour to it or not? Would you join me in a moment of prayer? So merciful and gracious God, we thank you for this time that we can spend listening to Peter's story and to see the fullness of all that Peter has experienced as one of your disciples, the tensions, the stress, the busyness of that three years that he has spent, and now to find themselves in the garden, a simple invitation, watch and pray, and to see that Peter fell asleep. To know that for some of us, this may touch our very hearts, our very lives, because when it comes to spiritual formation, we might be napping as well. O Lord, awaken us today. Draw us out of our slumber so that we might watch and pray, might commit to giving an hour to this, our spiritual formation, that we might understand the purposes for which you have created every single one of us and how we might live our lives in service to others, to your coming kingdom. For those of us that are awake, O Lord, may your Spirit empower us to stay awake, to keep pursuing this vision that you have for us. Nourish our lives, nourish our souls, O Lord. Craft and create us for your divine purposes. All these things we pray in the name of your Son, who is our Lord and Savior.